48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. The chief executive denies a plan to ban unvaccinated people from some venues if there's a new wave of COVID-19 is a punishment. But an advocate for patients says the idea puts people's basic rights in jeopardy. And the police warn businesses not to pay off scammers who hold their data to ransom, especially with cryptocurrency. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, has dismissed suggestions that authorities want to punish those who haven't been vaccinated against COVID-19. Yesterday, she said they were considering banning unvaccinated people from restaurants, schools and entertainment venues if a fifth wave of infections occurs. At her weekly media briefing, she said this was to avoid having to close all premises, which would negatively affect the SAR. She also said arrangements for fully vaccinated senior executives to come to Hong Kong without quarantine weren't a free-for-all and these people must show a genuine business purpose. In examining the economic activities that Hong Kong have to uh, conduct at any point in time, there is a very important area called the financial center, because after all, Hong Kong is an international financial center. So the uh, Financial Services and Treasury Bureau, in consultation with the regulatory authorities, have proposed that we should provide an alternative arrangement for these senior executives to come so that they can continue to conduct the very essential economic activities in Hong Kong. A patient's rights activist says restricting where people can go if they don't get a COVID jab isn't the right way to boost Hong Kong's low vaccination rate. Alex Lam from Hong Kong Patients Voices said the government's suggestion to ban unvaccinated people from venues would deprive those people of their basic rights. There are reasons for people not getting the vaccination, such as health reasons, and people disallowed to enter such places may be deprived of the basic rights. Say, for example, you're not allowed to go to school, to restaurants, construction sites, or certain workplaces. By disallowing these people to go to these places, you deprive them of, let's say, the rights of receiving education. You disallow them from making earnings. The Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, says it's not the government's intention to cause divisions among people, saying getting inoculated is a free choice. Meanwhile, the minister in charge of the vaccination programme, Patrick Nip, says around 37,000 people booked jabs yesterday, which he said was a recent high. A former president of the India Association says he's so far raised almost half of his $3 million target to send desperately needed medical supplies to India, which has been overwhelmed by a surge in coronavirus deaths. The situation there appears to be stabilising, with daily infections down by half from the record 400,000. Mohan Jagani told RTHK about his coming fundraising drive in Wan Chai and outside Sogo on Saturday. He explained the challenges he was facing. I'm trying to raise funds to get medical supplies wherever we can get our hands on. These supplies are also short in China. The manufacturers have been raised the price a couple of times. Plus there's a shortage of planes from China going to India. There's also a logistics problem. Guangdong province has been partially locked down amid reports of an increasing number of COVID cases. Most of the province's 20 new cases yesterday were from the city of Guangzhou, where some residents have been ordered to stay home. Health officials said it was bringing the outbreak under control as all infections were linked. People wanting to leave Guangzhou city must show a negative test within the past 72 hours. 
Police have warned companies not to pay cyber criminals, especially with cryptocurrency, in the unfortunate event that their data is held hostage using ransomware. Officers said virtual currency is extremely difficult to trace when investigating a case. The warning came despite the force reporting a 6% fall in the number of email scams last year, with 767 cases. The total amount of money lost also dropped by 11% to $2.2 billion when compared to 2019. Detective Chief Inspector Ip Chukyu is from the Cyber Security Division. We do not have a particular reasons to explain uh, the fall, but um, the hackers, they use different means to get money or to launch cyber attack. And in the recent years, um, there are much more attacks regarding to the, the use of ransomware, probably because of uh, the surge in the price in the cryptocurrency, because uh, those ransomware are paid by the cryptocurrency. The League of Social Democrats says it's not planning to take part in this year's polls for LegCo and the election committee. The League says that Beijing's overhaul of the SAR's electoral system means it is no longer fair and just. It's urging its fellow pro-democracy parties to stay out of the elections, but says the public should still use the polls to express, as it put it, their true opinions. Overseas, there are growing doubts that Britain will be able to ease its lockdown restrictions in late June after several leading scientists warned the UK is in the early stages of a third wave of Covid infections. One member of the government advisory group, Ravi Gupta, said even though the number of new cases was relatively low, an imported variant was fueling exponential growth. He's calling on ministers to push back the June the 21st target date for lifting limits on social contact in England. We're not too far from reaching the sort of levels of vaccination that would help us contain the virus. People are not saying that we should, you know, abandon the June 21st date altogether, but just to delay it by a few weeks whilst we gather more intelligence. If you look at the costs and benefits of getting it wrong, I think that it's heavily in the favour of, of delay. Peru has announced that the country's real number of coronavirus deaths is more than double what was previously thought. 180,000 people have died of COVID in Peru, according to the new official figures. The BBC's Will Grant reports. A government working group of experts formed to analyse Peru's data published the revised figures after establishing broader criteria by which deaths from coronavirus were recorded. The latest data puts Peru only behind Mexico and Brazil for the number of deaths from the disease in Latin America. The country's per capita death toll is in fact much higher than Brazil's. Such a figure coincides more closely to the anecdotal evidence coming from hospitals and with the images of cemeteries struggling to find space for the high numbers of burials. The World Trade Organization has again failed to reach an agreement to temporarily suspend patent protection rules for COVID-19 vaccines. The proposals were put forward by several developing countries, as the BBC's Andrew Walker reports. Officials in many developing countries believe that world trade rules protecting patents on vaccines and other medical products are hindering the fight against the pandemic. They've proposed waiving those rules temporarily. But the idea, first formally proposed in October, is resisted mainly by rich countries who argue that patents are not the main barrier to faster progress in getting the world's population protected from Covid. Supporters of the plan want to move the negotiations onto the specific text of the proposal. There does appear to be increasing support among WTO members for doing that, but not yet enough to actually move to that stage. Events have been taking place in the US city of Tulsa in Oklahoma to mark the centenary of a massacre in which up to 300 black people were killed.
A hundred years ago, an alleged assault of a white teenage girl by a black man led to a white mob shooting, burning and looting its way through the affluent black district of Greenwood. Robert Turner is a pastor at a church in Tulsa where hundreds have gathered. We have never seen justice from 1921. There's never been even an investigation. They killed over 300 black people, caused 10,000 folks to be made homeless in 18 hours, dropped bombs on American soil with no consequence. Leslie Benningfield survived the massacre. The 106-year-old described what she remembered. The soldiers were coming in to run the rebels out, and uh, everybody was running and hiding and trying to get away. I don't know. The United Nations nuclear watchdog, the IAEA, says Iran has failed to explain why inspectors have found traces of uranium at several sites of concern. The agency has for months been trying to establish how the particles came to be present at three locations. Here's the BBC's Bethany Bell. In the agency's latest report on Iran, the head of the IAEA, Rafael Grossi, said the Iranians had still not provided what he called the necessary explanation for the presence of the particles. In a separate report, the IAEA said Iran's stockpile of enriched uranium is now around 16 times the limit laid down in the 2015 deal with world powers. Talks are currently underway in Vienna to try to revive the 2015 nuclear accord, but the latest IAEA reports are likely to add to tensions. A five-month-old boy from London has become one of the first children to be treated by Britain's National Health Service with a groundbreaking gene therapy. It aims to correct the genetic condition spina muscular atrophy, which, if left untreated, can cause muscle loss and death. Here's the BBC's Fergus Walsh. The one-off infusion of this gene therapy called Solgensma takes about an hour. It works by inserting a healthy copy of a missing gene into motor neuron cells, which prevents them from dying. Five-month-old Arthur has already lost a lot of muscle function, but it's hoped the treatment will, at the very least, prevent further decline. Several other infants treated during trials improve significantly and are able to sit unaided and even walk. In financial news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,284. That's 132 points up on the previous close. The currency is the US dollar trading at 109.40 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 22 cents. And the pound gets you one Hong, 11 Hong Kong dollars, sorry, and 4 cents. In sport, the Japanese tennis star and world number two, Naomi Osaka, says she's withdrawing from the French Open because of controversy over her refusal to speak to the media during the tournament. The 23-year-old said she experienced severe anxiety before speaking to the press and suffered from depression. The former Grand Slam winner, Martina Natradilova, expressed her sadness at Osaka's decision to withdraw. The French Tennis Federation president, Gilles Morento, described it as unfortunate. We are sorry and sad for Naomi Osaka. The outcome of Naomi withdrawing is unfortunate. We remain very committed to all athletes' well-being and to continually improving every aspect of players' experience in our tournament, including with the media like we have always strived to do. At a news conference, fellow player Serena Williams voiced her support for Naomi Osaka.
I feel for Naomi. I feel like uh, I wish I could give her a hug because I know what it's like. Like I said, I've been in those positions. We have different personalities um, and people are different. Not everyone is the same. You know, you just have to let her handle it the way she wants to. On the court, Roger Federer is through to round two, following a straight sets win over Denis Istomin. He was asked after the match whether he'd like to represent Switzerland in the Olympics in Tokyo. I feel two ways. I would love to play. I wish uh, things were better around the world, that we wouldn't even have to debate the thought of, you know, is it going to happen? Am I going to play or not? Uh, my wish and hope and dream is that I can play it, um, but it needs to make sense for me, my team, my family and uh, my country. Uh, so I'm, I'm still waiting to see how things are going to develop the, the next uh, couple of weeks and months. The defending women's champion Iga Viantek is into the second round. She celebrated her 20th birthday with a victory over Slovenia's Kaya Yuvan. The eighth seed won 6-0, 7-5. You never know what's going to happen when, you, when you're coming out on a court as a defending champion because I've never been in a situation like that. So I'm really glad I could, you know, handle that pretty, pretty well and just play tennis and play a normal match without having in the back of my mind that I'm defending the title. The sixth seed Bianca Andreescu is out. She lost in three sets to Slovenia's Tamara Zadansak. The South American Football Confederation says the continent's most important sports event, the Copa America, will be hosted by Brazil in just under two weeks' time. It comes after Argentina pulled out of hosting the tournament because of a Covid surge. But within hours of the switch of venues being announced, there was a chorus of criticism in Brazil, which is itself struggling to cope with the pandemic. Here's the BBC's Tim Vickery. We're talking about a country uh, where uh, the government waited months and months and months to respond to an offer from Pfizer for vaccines. And they appear to have wasted about 10 minutes to decide, yes, we will stage this Copper America. One state governor is saying that games will not take place in his state. It could well be that efforts will be made to take this to the Supreme Court of Brazil to try and block the tournament. But if it does go ahead, and I imagine it will, it seems to me that it could be an interesting rallying point for protests against President Bolsonaro. On the ice, the Montreal Canadiens got the better of their old rivals, the Toronto Maple Leafs, sealing a 3-1 victory in the deciding game of their best-of-seven first-round series. To end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive denies plans to ban unvaccinated people from some venues if there's a new wave of COVID-19 is a punishment, but an advocate for patients says the plan puts people's basic rights in jeopardy. And the police warn businesses not to pay off scammers who hold their data to ransom, especially with cryptocurrency. The news from RTHK. We be charging, I'm not leaving till someone starts rocking All the soldiers come back and start marching And we see myself selling in black markets You say you love me, say you love me But you're never there for me, yeah To mm -hmm. be crying, slowly dying when I decide to
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. A rainy Tuesday. Well, not so much right now. Tuesday, the 1st of June is today's date. I want to say a big thank you to Phil for the morning brew today. And since today is Tuesday, we'll be doing something food related because it's Tuesday. Chewing. Tuesday. That's right. After the two o'clock news, Tuesday reporter Andrew Dembina will be joining us for some food news. But before that, we'll be talking about the history of Ta Tan Tangs here in Hong Kong. Do you ever go to these tea houses? Well, not just tea houses, these restaurants, old fashioned style tea houses, tea uh, breakfast places, Ta Tan Tangs uh, here in Hong Kong. We'll be chatting with Samuel Lai, a researcher who has a special interest in this area. He'll be joining us in about 10 minutes or so and we'll be talking about the history and sort of the special uh, uh, nostalgic memories that Hong Kongers have of these wonderful places. Um, We hope to bring you that interview on Facebook Live as well, so do join us there if you can this afternoon. Noreen Mir on RTHK.